So on Tuesday, after Palm Sunday, Jesus had been going. He went first and cleared the temple on Monday, and uh, then he uh, had a discussion with the Pharisees, explaining how out of touch with reality they are. And uh, that's all in uh, the different scriptures. You can find that in the different gospels. Uh, but then we get to Matthew chapter 24. Today's message is titled, End Time Events. He's leaving the temple with his disciples. He's going to go back to Bethany to spend the night there. And they were walking through the courtyard with the disciples and Jesus walking through. And there's all the buildings of the temple. You have to understand what this temple looked like. This was beautiful. Um, you see, the original temple was beautiful, what Solomon built. It was amazing. It was beautiful. And then it was destroyed. And then Ezra rebuilt that temple and restored it. So Ezra and Zerubbabel rebuilt it, but it wasn't the same size as the original temple. And it wasn't the same glory as the original temple and the reconstruction. But they did get the temple built. It was, um, it, it was done in 515 B.C. And uh, then it was used continually up until about 19 B.C., 20 B.C., somewhere around there, where Herod decided, I am going to enhance this building. I am going to take what's here and make it better. And so he began a, a reconstruction and restoration project. He brought the original temple back to its original size uh, and restored all of the main structure of the temple. At the same time, he extended and expanded the whole temple mount and brought in gold and all kinds of stuff. So when you're coming into uh, the temple area, it was um, something to see. It was so bright. When the sun shone into the temple area, you would have the reflection off the gold and off the marble, and it would just be amazing. And, and so this was some, a sight to see. It was one of the seven wonders of the world. And here, um, the disciples are walking through this with Jesus. They're looking at all of this. So uh, this is years later, Herod's dead, but they continued the building project until 64 AD. So this was an ongoing project. They said there were up to 10,000 men working on the whole Temple Mount project all the time. They were just continuously working on this, improving that area. And so here is, are the disciples. They're walking with Jesus. They're very impressed with all of these things. And going back to... Um, chapter 23 in Matthew, Jesus had called out the Pharisees saying, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. 
How often I wanted to gather your children together as hens gather her chicks under their wings, but you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so Jesus just called them out and said, you know what, this is going to be desolate. And so this is like, you know, a, 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 a attitude crusher. Can you imagine how the disciples felt right now as they're walking along with Jesus, knowing Jesus just let them have it? Not the disciples, but the religious rulers, those that were there leading uh, the people. And then Jesus went out and departed from the temple Matthew 24, verse 1. And his disciples came up to him to show them the buildings, him the buildings of the temple. You see, they were like, okay, what can we do to make him feel better? What can we do to lift his spirits? Hang on, let's, let's check out the buildings together. You know, let's go to Washington, D.C. and walk through and, and look at all the monuments that are built and everything, and, and uh, let's look at them. I, I don't want to go to Washington, D.C. anymore. There's nothing there that interests me anymore, really, unfortunately. The history, maybe, but uh, today, I, I wouldn't go there um, because uh, I, I feel like it isn't what I expect it to be anymore. They're not representing the people really well anymore. And that may sound really political, but it has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with reality. And it's just the way I feel. You may feel differently. And, you know, you go there and tell me how it feels, okay? And Jesus said to them, do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Jesus wasn't impressed with the buildings. He didn't say, oh, yeah, that Herod, man, he really knew what he was doing, huh? <laughs> Man, he was good. Maybe I should get some insight into the buildings I'm going to be making for you guys up in heaven. Right? Because Jesus goes to prepare a place for us, you know. And so maybe Herod, but oh, he's dead. But Jesus wasn't impressed. He said, you see all these things? You see, he didn't even recognize them as something valuable. It's just things. And the things of the earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. When we put our eyes on Jesus, that's where the beauty comes. That's where the glory is not in the things of this earth. And so here, Jesus is trying to explain to them, you're missing it. You're missing the whole point. Here's what's important. Because I say to you, not one stone shall be here upon another, and that shall not be thrown down. 
these were big, stinking stones. One of them, the, one of the base stones, was 47 feet long. It was 8 feet high. It was 12 feet thick. It's 400 tons. How did that get there? And they didn't carve it up there. These were carved down in the, uh, in the quarry and then brought up to the Temple Mount because they didn't want to use tools up on the Temple Mount. That was an offense to God, using tools up there, and the Jews didn't want to do that. And so they did everything in the quarry and then brought them and assembled the original temple there um, on the Temple Mount. And so when you see these stones, it's just like, oh my goodness, where do they get these things. Now, most of the stones weren't 400 tons. They were about 100 to 120 tons. They were smaller stones and everything, but still, you know, um, you, you know, you throw that on your back and put it in place, right? They were so perfect that they didn't even need mortar because they cut these so perfectly and put them together. Well, now on the inside of the temple, they had gold on everything. Everything had gold on it. The tables were covered with gold. The floorboards were covered. The, the walls were covered with gold. The rods across were covered with gold with the silver rings on them and everything. So there was gold everywhere in there. The whole showbread tray that held the 12 loaves of showbread made out of gold. And then in 70 AD, Titus went in. He was told by Caesar, go and take the city, but don't destroy the temple. But some of his guys were a little overzealous and went in and accidentally set the place on fire and it burned it down. It melted all the gold, all the silver. And so all of this gold and silver was melted in between the stones. And so the only way for them to get at the gold and the silver was to remove the stones one from another and lay them all out so they can get the gold out. And so Jesus' prophecy was fulfilled perfectly within 40 years of when he gave it. You see, that's what you call a literal interpretation of scripture. Jesus said this is going to happen, and it happened. It's prophecy. It's fulfilled prophecy. And when we see fulfilled prophecy, then we can understand, you know what? Jesus is giving us an example of prophecy prophetic things that are going to take place. He started with just this one example. The one example was, this is all going to burn. And they're going to have to take the stones apart to get to the gold. Well, he didn't say to get to the gold. He said, they're just going to be taken down. And no stone is going to be left upon another. He didn't explain why. But it came to pass exactly as said. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Who has that question? <laughs> right? Uh, for 2,000 years we've been asking that question. 
But here, the disciples are asking Jesus there at that time. You remember who he's talking to. He's talking to Jews. He's the, the disciples were Jews. He, he didn't have any Gentiles in with his closest uh, disciples at that time. And as being Jews, they wanted to hear something that confirmed what was told in the Old Testament so that they could know that it all tied together. They wanted to understand, and there was plenty in the Old Testament that pointed to what would take place in the New Testament, what would take place in the future. And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed, no one deceives you. That's, that's the first thing he said. Take heed that no one deceives you. They had a problem with that back then. They had a problem with deception. But it wasn't like the deception that we're experiencing today. Now many people think I am taking a political position on, on the deception that's going on. I am not. The deception that's going on are being perpetrated through the enemy. And he's using people to deceive us, to deceive the world, to lead people astray. That's what he's known for. He is the great deceiver. He is the liar. He's the one that is trying to destroy God's plan. He actually believes he can. He thinks that he's going to be successful. Can you imagine? Well, this is the devil, the guy that came from heaven. There are people on earth that think that they can do the same thing. There are people on earth that think they can thwart the plan of God. And all they have to do is promote their own agendas. And that that's going to thwart the plan of God. Some of them believe in God even. They just don't like his plan. And so they've come up with their own. That's working out real well, isn't it? We have a lot of peace and prosperity on earth and everything's going really well, isn't it? Well, we know that it isn't. And that's because of deception, the deception of men. Take heed that no one deceives you, verse 5, for many will come in my name saying I am the Christ and will deceive many. That's happening right now. I'm not just talking about people that are saying I am Christ. I am, a, you know, I am God incarnate. That's not what we're seeing specifically, but we are. There are people out there that claim that they are the presence of God, uh, that they are reincarnate Jesus. They're, they're loons, and, and we know that. But there are people out there that think that they have the answer for everything, that they can solve the problems of the world. There's a man named Klaus Schwab. He's this leader 
that thinks that he can solve the world's problems. Do you know what your problem is? You're not eating enough bugs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. There's a company uh, in Norway called Insect, Y-N-S-E-C-T, Insect. And they are uh, one of the leaders in producing um, bugs uh, uh, for consumption. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, if I, I'm not promoting a TV show, but Tucker Carlson just had this on TV the other night, and, uh, and he uh, also, this is on Fox Nation, where um, they talk all about uh, Let Them Eat Bugs is the name of the show. And it's all about human consumption of insects. There's a video, you'll, you'll find it, uh, Nicole Kidman sitting in, all uh, decked out in a dress and all of this other stuff, and she's eating a four-course meal of insects. Okay, so they're promoting this stuff heavily. Why? What's the purpose? Because 18,000 cattle were killed in Texas last week. Uh, how? You know? I don't know. I, 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 I wish I was there with the smoker and able to get, but uh, it, it didn't happen. See, they're killing the food supply. And, um, and why is this happening? It's the enemy. These things are happening. This isn't just a bunch of men coming together. Oh, let's make this plan. It's the enemy. The enemy is deceiving people into believing that they can come up with a better way. And eating insects is the better way. There's uh, Tucker sat down with this guy, um, Brooklyn Bugs or something like that, isn't he? Anyway, he's a chef that cooks these bugs and makes delicacies and makes really, uh, and, and uh, he had the burgers on TV. I didn't see this part of the episode yet that he, he eats the burger, Tucker ate the burger, right? Uh, um, and he does this um, in, and eats it and tests it. And, um, and, and other people were sitting down eating the food and they said, oh, tastes okay, you know. All you have to do is convince another peop enough people that it tastes okay, and people will go along with it and, and get people indoctrinated into this. Now, maybe eating insects is, uh, you know, a great way, protein and stuff like that, and uh, I'm not going to do it, you know. It just, just doesn't sound good to me. You know, that's right up there with broccoli sprouts. <laughs> so many are coming, and they're telling people, this is what we have to do. This is the only way that we can be sustainable, that we're going to be able to continue. Uh, but Klaus Schwab has also said, we have too many people on the earth, and we have to get rid of one-third of the people on earth. You know, so um, any volunteers? Right? Yeah, I'm volunteering when the rapture comes. 
okay, take me away, okay, I've just, I've just made an opening for some of you bug eaters. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. So, wars and rumors of wars, we're hearing that on a regular basis of all the things going on, the war in Ukraine, the rumors of war with China and Taiwan, uh, with Iran and Israel, and we are seeing this on a regular basis. There isn't anything that should be surprising right about now. We're um, almost prepared for something to break out, but it says don't be troubled by these things. Well, is Jesus writing to us? That's the question. And I don't believe so, not in this passage of Scripture. You see, this is Matthew, and Matthew is a Jew. Luke also wrote of the teachings of Jesus on the Olivet Mount the Olivet Discourse, but they don't call it that. They only call it that here in Matthew, the Olivet Discourse. And I believe that the Jews, when the rapture happens, a lot of Jews will wake up and say, hold on, I heard about this. I, I recognize that this is something the Christians were talking about. And they said that Jesus was the Messiah. He was going to come and he was going to take them up. And only Christians were taken, you know, and they're going to become believers. But they're not going to be taken because they didn't receive Jesus before the rapture. And so here they're stuck and they're going to hear of wars, rumors of wars, and see that you're not troubled because all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And nation is going to rise against nation. This is ethnos against ethnos. Not physical nation, country against country. This is ethnos. Ethnicities are going to be against each other. We're seeing that right now. And they're trying to drive a greater wedge uh, to keep people apart based on their ethnicity. In Christianity, there is no ethnicity. We are all brothers and sisters in Christ, no matter where we were born, what color we are, no matter who our family members are, none of that matters. We are brothers and sisters in Christ, and God is our Father. And the, the playing field has been leveled. There is neither Greek nor Jew. Uh, well, that means that really there's no real religion either. It's not about which religion you are. Oh, you're Baptist? I'm sorry, you're in the wrong church. They're down the street. And uh, it's not about what religion you are. It's about whose you are. And we belong to Jesus Christ. And so being a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm going to 
keep my eyes focused on him and not worry about the things of the world and I'm going to be heading in the right direction but nation will be rising against nation I'm not going to argue about that I'm not going to fight in that fight kingdom against kingdom now you have your different countries and, and different people that are fighting each other and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. Famines are going on right now, but keep destroying the food supply and just see how bad it can get. We're just seeing the beginning of this taking place. It's going to get much worse. I pray that we're not here for that. I don't believe we will be here for that. But it's going to happen. That's told to us in Revelation that we get a picture of the famine that's going to be coming, the number of people that are going to die. That tells me they don't get the whole bug thing rolled out in time to make sure that everyone has food to eat. You know, but to, because if you're starving, bugs looking awful good, right? You know, I'll, I'll eat a bug. Oh, tastes like steak. <laughs> anyway, you know, there's going to be famines. There's going to be pestilence. That's interesting. Bugs. Pestilence. Whoa, a <laughs> food supply. I'm wondering if one of these places that they're building, because they have one built. It was in the show. And it showed you how quickly they're multiplying these bugs. They genetically modified them to propagate, to grow, and, and to multiply. Okay? And this place is massive, and it is producing lots and lots of bugs. And so I'm wondering, what happens if one of those places has an escape, right? And now you have genetically modified insects out in society. Uh, what will happen then? Pestilence? Maybe. Maybe that very thing. And so I don't know. Um, I speculate a little bit, but earthquakes and, various, and we're seeing the earthquakes, like the one in Turkey and Syria, the number of people that died from the earthquake. There are other earthquakes that are taking place in other locations. We're just not talking about them very much. But the earthquakes mentioned in Revelation are going to be devastating. They're, they're going to be much worse than anything that we're seeing and hearing in the news today. And so looking at this, we're not talking about things that are going to happen before the rapture. We're talking about things that happen during the seven-year tribulation period. These things are going to be taking place during that period where um, we're not going to be here for, but the Jews will be. And they're going to be going through this. And so when they get saved... The first place they're going to go to look for answers is the New Testament. And the first book they're going to come upon is Matthew. 
And so now they have Jewish answers. Matthew was Jewish. They're going to have Jewish answers to Jewish questions. See, they're not going to go to Luke. Luke was a Gentile. The only Gentile in the Bible that wrote a book. And so um, here they're going to read Matthew and they're going to say, okay, let me see what we're being told here. And Jesus is talking directly to them, explaining to them the things that are going to happen. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Beginning of sorrows, this is talking about the beginning of sorrows, meaning birth pangs of sorrows. This is when you're uh, first having uh, a child, when a woman, not me, uh, but when a woman is having a child and gets pregnant, uh, she has birth pangs. They, the, the pains start to come and they happen more frequently. And then until she gives birth, they start happening quite frequently right up until the time uh, that she has birth. That's what this is talking about here. These are the beginning of sorrows. These are the birth pangs. And they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you'll be hated for, by all nations for my name's sake. And many will be offended and betray one another. And this is all talking about the nation of Israel. We already see that happening now. It's going to get even worse in the future. And so that's the preparation for what they have to look forward to. How does that apply to us? It doesn't. Hopefully. Hopefully we're all believers. We've all received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. We all have the Holy Spirit within us. We all know that we are going to be getting out of here in what we call the rapture. And uh, we won't have to endure these things that are going through. But this wasn't the only teaching that Jesus taught that day. He wasn't only teaching to Jews about what was going to take place in the last days. There were many other teachings that he taught during that time. In Matthew chapter 24 and 25, it's all of those teachings. Mark chapter 13, Luke chapter 20 and 21, and John chapters 14, 15, and 16. All of those were the teachings that Jesus taught during that Passion Week between Palm Sunday and Good Friday. And so there's a lot of other teachings going on. I'm just focusing on two. One of them that was more pointed to the Jews and what was going to take place in the last days there. But the next one is pointed to Gentiles, pointed to the church. Now, not so much Gentiles, but the church. And when I, I say Gentiles, I, I say us, we're included in this, but we are the church. And Jews that have received Jesus Christ, we call them Messianic Jews, they're included in the church. They aren't more qualified. They don't have a better status than we do because they're Jews and we are Gentiles. We are all on a level playing field once again. There is neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female. There's, we're all on the same playing field. We're all children of God at this point. And so uh, as we open up John chapter 14, now Jesus addresses 
us. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And so here's Jesus saying, I'm, I'm going to give you some more good news. Don't be troubled. Don't worry about these things. You have to remember, they thought they were going to be alive when Jesus came. They thought that he was coming. Well, no, they didn't even know he was going. They didn't know he was going to the cross. So as Jesus is saying these things, they didn't make sense to them. But they documented them after because the Holy Spirit gave them wisdom and insight and understanding and they were able to, to write these things. So he said, believe in God, believe also in me. And he's equating himself to God here to them. And then in my father's house are many mansions. If he said my father's house, that would imply that he's the son of the father, right? And so here are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus is preparing the place that we are going to be spending eternity what does it look like? I have no idea. He didn't say. So any speculation about what it's going to look like, what, what our place is going to be, uh, it's speculation. If Jesus wanted us to know, he would have told us. You know, all Italians will have homes with Roman columns outside of them and... Uh, you know, but he didn't give us any details as to what it was going to look like in heaven. And I don't think that we need to worry about those things. We don't need to focus on things, but on the one who's getting us there in the first place. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also. Well, that just solved the whole problem. That just got rid of all my confusion. If he goes to prepare a place, remember the prophecy that he said the temple was going to be destroyed and not one stone will be left upon another and it happened exactly the way that he said it was going to happen? I look at this one and I said, hold on. He just said that he's going to prepare a place. And if he prepares a place, and we know he is because he said he was going to, Jesus isn't a liar. So if he's preparing a place, he will come again and receive us to himself that where he is, there we may be also. Another promise. He's going to fulfill another prophecy. It just hasn't been fulfilled yet. This is the same way that the disciples were sitting there when Jesus said, you see all these stones, not one stone will be left upon another. Well, they couldn't imagine that. 
Look at those stones. They're huge. What are you talking about? And it happened exactly the way he said. Well, now I believe this promise that he said. I believe that when he returns to get us, that he's going to take us to the place where we are going to be with him forever. And there's nothing that's going to stop that from happening. They had the warning. Oh, the temple's going to be destroyed and not one stone be left upon another. Man, don't you think they could have put a guard around that to make sure that that never took place? But they didn't do that. Well, here, <laughs> the enemy has been trying to stop us from getting to this place, from getting to the place where he comes and gets us and receives us. Notice it's the wording that's important here. He says, and receive you to myself. He didn't say he's coming to earth. This is one of my favorite verses because this is Jesus confirming the rapture is valid. This is Jesus confirming that he's coming to get us, not to earth, but he's going to take us to where he is. Where is he? He's in heaven. And so we can go there. We can be there with him. And all we have to do is wait for him to come and get us. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. So Jesus said, hey, where I go, you, you know where I'm going. You know, and you know how to get there. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going, and how can we know the way? The other disciples were probably like, oh, Thomas, you look so stupid right now but I'm glad you said it because I felt the same thing, man. I had no clue as to what he was talking about, but you look like the dummy. You're the one that opened your mouth. Okay, good. All right, you asked the question. And then Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There's the answer. That's the roadmap. That's all we needed to know. He is the way, and there is no other way. That's all we need to know, right? These are, you want to put in directions how you get somewhere? This is how you get there. He is the way to get there. Peter was eventually filled with the Holy Spirit, and in Acts 4.12, he explained it this way. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It's Jesus. And it excludes everything else. Anything else the world is throwing at us. There are Christians out there, 30% of people that consider themselves evangelical Bible-believing Christians, 30% of them believe that you can get to heaven by other means. That other religions can get you to heaven. What does that tell you? It tells me that 30% of Bible-believing Christians aren't Bible-believing Christians. 
they are people that allegorize the text. They believe what other people tell them the text says. And so they're okay with that. They're okay with being told something that isn't in the Bible. Oh, well, this is what it really means. And so that's why Jesus said, hey, beware. Beware of these people. They're deceivers out there. So step one is receiving Jesus as our Savior. Then we must recognize him not for having the truth. He says, I am the truth. I am the truth. And so if he is the truth, the source of all truth, then anything he says is true. Meaning when he promises that he's going to be preparing a place for us, and that he's going to be coming to get us again, it's true. It, it, we don't have to debate it. We don't have to get into discussions on, well, what he really meant. What? No, that's what he said. And I believe him, just like he said the temple was going to be destroyed. He's coming back, and it's the truth. And he's the life. No other person can give life, but he gives us eternal life. In Romans 6.23, we read, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And so he is life. He's the one that brings life. We have eternal life in him. And so he just gave us all the directions on how to get to where we need to go. Sometimes we get messed up. Have you ever got directions from someone and you start out and you get to a certain place and you realize I'm not anywhere near where I'm supposed to be. I need to get back to, well, do we have to go back to the beginning to start over again? No, we just have to know how to get to where we're going from where we are. And that's the good news, that Jesus will get us to where we're going no matter where we are. No matter what road we were on, he can get us to where we're going. Sometimes my GPS tells us, that, you know what, this isn't the way. You need to go this way and that way. And I look and I'm like, hold on, I've lived here 40 years. <laughs> And, you know, I know that you're wrong, you know, and, and I know how to get there. And eventually I get to where I'm going because I know, but it's not that I'm smarter than the GPS. It's that I know what's really happening around me. I know that the things that the GPS doesn't know, the GPS has been deceived. Don't follow GPS or GPT chat or anything that can lead you away from the truth. Jesus is the truth, regardless of what you think about the last days or the end time events taking place around us. We can rest assured that Jesus hasn't forgotten his promise and he's looking forward to proving it to us. Amen. Amen.